you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy Hellman. Everyone, it is great to be back with you. Sorry for my delay. As you know, August was filled with fun, a little beach time. It was actually, to be fully honest, very hard to relax. I took 10 days off and I did work one day in the middle. And it's hard when you're struggling during a pandemic to keep your business afloat, when you're designing for clients when you're trying to make it all work, it can be very difficult to let it go, to relax, to sit on a beach and not be thinking about your metrics or that sale item. Let me also share something that's been very surprising and frustrating in the last two weeks. In the last two weeks, we have noticed at Affordable Interior Design that Retailers who usually have a good stock of things, who have a full inventory, who can reliably ship things, are all of a sudden having lead times that are crazy. All of a sudden, if you want something from West Elm, it's not going to be available until January. And we tried to get something from Raymore and Flanagan, which always has an amazing inventory of things that can ship within five days. And now you're not going to be seeing it till Thanksgiving. This has been very jarring, not only for our clients, but also as designers, it has caused me to have to rework so many lists. My clients will say, Betsy, all of a sudden, I just had a client this week actually who lives in Brooklyn, and she's trying to get her space set up for homeschooling. And we actually designed it way back in June, right? Because we knew she was going to have her kids do remote learning no matter what. But she was going to go away for the summer. They live in Brooklyn and they wanted to go to a safer country place in Massachusetts where her mom lives. And she did not want to have these items delivered because there would be nobody there to receive the packages. So she said, Betsy, let's just wait. And I said, that makes sense. Typically, just ordering two weeks in advance will be perfect timing to get it there. Well, she comes back from Massachusetts. She orders everything just on the timeline we spoke about. And the items are not going to be available until October, November, December in some cases. And these are from like Wayfair, right? 
and it was really disheartening. And all of a sudden she says, Betsy, I just want you to source everything from Amazon. We've got to get them set up for school. I've got to have a place for them to be that they can make their own so they can thrive this school year. And it needs to be there from the start. And I went on Amazon to find options. And I was so bummed out by the selection. I mean, it all looks like crap. And there's a couple things that are okay, but it's really been devastating. I mean, I hate to use that word because please, let's look at what's really going on during this pandemic. But it's been hard to not be able to have reliable inventory when the clients need it and to have to manage expectations in a different way that's basically I don't know. And I don't know has been my favorite phrase throughout this pandemic because I've truly been living day to day. I'm not looking forward, which is new for me. I'm not really looking backward because the metrics and numbers that we were working with before just don't apply right now. I'm having to live in the moment every day. And, you know, one of my kids is doing remote learning. One of my kids is going to school in New Jersey. And we live in New York, so that's not easy. Um, The people who work for me, some of them are having to stay home full time with their kids. Some of them are homeschooling their virtual learners. It's just hard. And to add this level of complexity to our job, this new level of I don't know when you're going to be getting this stuff. I don't know where it's coming from or what the holdup is, but I don't want you to settle for Amazon. I want you to wait for something that actually looks decent in your space. It's been frustrating. And it's been really frustrating. I mean, there's been three clients where I've had to go back and redo their lists because there was just no way they were going to wait for those items. Uh, My advice which they did not like to hear, you know, go online to Amazon and buy a folding table until the desk that you want is available. It's worth the three-month wait to have three months of, you know, discomfort to have three years of comfort with the right piece. But that doesn't work for everyone. And I totally understand that. Anyway, those are my frustrations. Here is another challenge I am facing. Our mailbag is getting low. So send me your questions. Info at affordableinteriordesign.com because we are nearing the end of this mailbag and then you're just going to have to me, to have to listen to me, excuse me, be a windbag and nobody wants that. So send us your questions. Send us your pictures. I'm here to help with your dilemmas. Just know anything I tell you to order will not be available for three months. So if you do have questions, now is the time. Because when you're finally ready to order those pieces, well, they might be available. All right, let's dig in. My first question today comes from Allison. Allison writes, Hi, Betsy. I recently discovered your podcast and I am devouring it. Your clear answers are very helpful to this design challenge girl. I have quite a few questions for you today, so buckle up. My husband and I are in the planning stages of a new build. We just finished the floor plan. Attached, I have created the floor plan for our first floor. We are thinking ahead to the design as well. My first question is about marrying styles with your spouse. My husband is an art teacher and has a very strong design style. He would describe his style as traditional maximalist, Think Ralph Lauren in the 80s. He loves pattern on pattern and bold colors. 
He's allergic to white walls or monochromatic color schemes. I honestly don't really have a design style and I never have. It changes with the season or whatever's trendy at the time. I'm happy to go traditional and have always loved old things. We decided on English Country Cottage and I'm finding a lot of inspiration pictures I like in that style. The trouble is I am by no means a minimalist. I'm definitely not a maximalist either. I struggle with reining in his style and keeping it from looking too visually cluttered. Do you have any advice on that? Where are good areas to compromise or tone it down a bit? All right, Allison, so let's tackle this first question. English Country Cottage sounds really interesting, but I want you to go for my two-word phrase method to keep it focused. So what if we did like colorful cottage? Cottage being the style word, colorful being the feel, or, you know, you'll think of your two-word phrase and ideally you would create it with your spouse so that it's two words that truly resonate with you guys and help you to stay focused when you're shopping. Now, one way when I have clients who are a little cluttery, which I frequently do, that I avoid their space looking too maximalist, as you put it, is that I don't give them a lot of surfaces to clutter up. So we don't do any floating shelves. We maybe do one bookcase, but it's primarily books mixed with a few tchotchkes. We avoid giving them extraneous consoles, extraneous etagères, and we focus on pieces that, you know, can't hold a lot of other pieces. Now, he's a guy who sounds like he probably has a lot of artwork he appreciates. And rather than scattering that artwork around on every wall, why don't you create a gallery wall? A gallery wall is that compilation of different pictures that can be arranged in an organic or, you know, symmetrical way, but it can be quite visually compelling and keep all that clutter or that frenetic energy to one location. That being said, I don't do multiple gallery walls on one floor. So limit the number of gallery walls you do to one per floor and it will help it to feel special rather than iterative or redundant or just like a lot of pictures in clusters in multiple places. I think you need to agree upon that inspiration piece. You and your husband both need to decide, yes, this is the piece from which we will derive our color palette, whether it's rugs or a piece of art or a patterned drape. Uh, then you choose your 60, 30, 10 from there. And because he has such a strong concept of what he might like, you let him pick the 60, 30, 10. Just make sure that it's a mix of cool colors, blue, greens, purples, as well as warm colors, reds, orange, yellows. So you don't want to have like your 60, 30, 10 be red, orange, and yellow, say, because that's not balanced. It needs a cool tone, but it could be mine, for instance, in my living room is red, yellow, and green. And that green provides the balance we need for those warm tones. Uh, and then when he's reined in, in terms of his color palette, he now knows what to look for and won't be going Roy G. Biv all over your house. Now, the other thing you'll wanna do is start with a foundation of neutrals. 
That means that you would overlay that 60-30-10 color palette. And if you don't know what I mean by 60-30-10, you'll want to get my book or listen to previous episodes where I go quite in-depth. But um, you'll want to start with that tabula rasa, that blanket of neutrals on which you can overlay those accents. And typically, you would go for either a gray, a gray beige, or like a beigey creamy. Now, if I were thinking English Country Cottage, it would definitely be that beigey creamy. And maybe that's the wall color. So maybe he chooses the 60-30-10 color palette, but you choose the wall color and that gets to be that neutral foundation. It does not have to be stark white because I am in agreement with him that that can feel too cold, too austere, unless it's in just the right environment like a converted loft or like a um, super modern apartment in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, something like that. Unless it's that type of space, which you're not telling me it is, white does not feel organic there. It doesn't feel like a choice. It feels like just you slapped something up that was cheap. Now you can have white trim that would contrast with your cream walls. That would look beautiful. And again, be that perfect foundation for those vibrant pops, the gallery wall, etc. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, beautifying your home for less, styling your home, and the fundamentals of feng shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock filled with visuals and tips things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Let's go to your second question. You write, my next question is about wallpaper. He wants to do wallpaper in the dining room. The wall is shared with the library, and then the wall in the kitchen also ties in there. We would also have wainscoting on the bottom half of the wall. I know you don't like accent walls or wallpaper on one wall. I'm just worried about doing the whole living dining area. Would it be too much for me as it is open concept? Would doing one wall work since it might help to zone the areas? Or should I just take the plunge? How do I tone down wallpaper if we did do all of the walls? All right, so if you have wainscoting on the bottom, that is a traditional type architectural finish. It's a detailing with molding that goes the entirety of the dining room. In other words, it has no end. It covers the entire room. And because it is continuous like that, doing something that's not continuous, like a wallpaper, will look out of place. Doing an accent wall is quite a contemporary thing to do. 
And if you're living in a space that's not quite contemporary, which something with wainscoting is not, it's more transitional or traditional, well, it's not going to feel like it belongs. It's going to feel out of place. It's going to feel like you ran out of wallpaper. Now, I think it's much more interesting to do a darker color below the wainscoting and to do a lighter color above the wainscoting. Like for instance, if he wanted to do something bold, you could do like a navy below that molding and you could do that neutral, like we were talking about, that beige above the chair rail. And that would allow him to have his pop of color, his bit of interest, his accent, if you will, while allowing you to continue that beige through the other open concept areas. Because I have a feeling based on what you're telling me that the wainscoting does not continue throughout the rest of the home. That is bound by the dining area and it's just the walls that continue throughout the space. I do think it would be very hard to select a wallpaper that you would like throughout multiple rooms. I mean, unless it was something just tonal, in other words, all one color, but maybe had a textural difference, I think it would be overwhelming and a whole lot of look. Too much look, especially, you know, it would prevent him from making strong statements with art. And as an art teacher, I have a feeling he's going to want to do that. My inclination instead, do that pop of color or that saturated neutral below the molding, below that chair rail, the wainscoting, and above, keep it light and bright. That way you can marry your styles with two different paint colors and each get what you're looking for. Your next question. My husband is pro matching furniture set and I have heard you and many designers say that matching furniture is dated and undesignerly. I'm inclined to agree but he thinks mismatched furniture is a fad and everyone will one day go back to matching. What are your thoughts? Is mismatched furniture a trend? Absolutely not. Mismatched furniture is timeless. I think furniture sets are a trend, frankly. I mean, if you think back, way back, I mean, each piece was custom made and it wasn't necessarily made to be identical with the others. You know, great design looks like it was curated over time, right? Which is not the luxury that my clients have or that I have at this firm. But when I worked for a high-end firm, you do have the luxury of being a collector and finding that special piece at that amazing vintage store one day. And then six months later, stumbling upon an amazing website like Cherish that has another piece that will go seamlessly with the piece you found and you both, they're both really inspiring and you love them. And then you can spend six years finding the lamp that's going on the buffet and you just love it. With what I do, we work quickly. We design in a whole space in two weeks. I don't have the luxury of shopping all these unique stores, finding one-offs, falling in love with each piece. Rather, I encourage my clients to fall in deep like with each piece. I want you to like everything. I don't want you to love anything because when you love an item, you will make it work come hell or high water. You will make all sorts of sacrifices. You will compromise other things in the room to make that piece you love work. And it will be at the expense of the larger vision. So I want you to like everything in the room and I want you to love the larger vision that it serves. But feeling too deeply about any one piece can 
prevent the workflow from coming naturally or can increase your timeline to a six-year expedition where you're searching for those pieces you're going to fall in love with over time, which is a journey. And I don't have patience for that and neither do any of my clients. Your husband is wrong. Can I just say that? Wrong. And you should definitely not be buying furniture sets. You write, my last question for now is about north-facing rooms. Does the direction the windows are facing affect your color choice at all? I've heard north-facing rooms need warmer colors, but what are your thoughts? Thank you so much for taking the time to answer my questions. I'm sure there will be more as we start building. Allison, you're in luck because as I mentioned before, this mailbag is almost empty. So send those questions. Now is your time and here is your answer. It doesn't matter if your house faces north, east, south, or west. The type of light that it receives is impacted by other things as well. For instance, I was just working in a house yesterday. It faced south. You would imagine it's flooded with natural light for most of the day, but you would be incorrect because there was a big house across the street from it that basically blocked a lot of the light and there were a ton of trees in the yard that added to the issue. So this south-facing room was quite dark and I was really surprised and of course it's a little disappointing, right? If I were that homeowner, I'd be cutting down some trees, but that's another story. Uh, so you want to think of each room individually. Does this room get a lot of light? I mean, there are east-facing rooms. I have a west-facing room that gets so much light, it is blinding, right? And it's pretty much all day because we're on the top of a hill. We basically bake in the sun. We have no greenery around us. And... There's not a time when my house feels dark, except at night. Um, so you want to consider each room by room. I don't pay attention to those rules that say dark colors make a room feel smaller, light colors make a room feel bigger, warm colors belong in north-facing rooms, and cool colors belong in south-facing rooms. Each room has its own identity, and I have a vision for it, and the color I choose is impacted by much more than the direction it faces. It's impacted by the rooms it opens up into. It's impacted by the height of the ceilings impacted by the color of the trim. There are so many more factors that come into play that I don't ever take my compass to a client. I don't ever ask them, is this north facing? Is this south facing? Rather, I ask them, what type of light does this get throughout the day? You know, what type of flooring are you thinking of putting in and what color will that be? That would deeply impact my color choice. All right, Allison, it's been great answering your questions. And everyone, it has been great being back with you this week. Please tune in again because I'll be releasing episodes very soon. I took a little hiatus at the beginning of this month because we're celebrating our 15th anniversary at Affordable Interior Design. And to celebrate, I have begun taking a business course that is 20 to 30 hours a week hosted by Goldman Sachs. Um, they do this free business course for entrepreneurs and it is amazing. I know my business and my own personal growth is going to skyrocket during the course of this four-month course, but it is really tough and it is draining a lot of my time and mental faculties. But I make this podcast a priority and I will be right back with you very, very soon. Until then, bye. asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, 
you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.